0: Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast with Steve Gordon. Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gordon, and today I've got Tom Kolzer with me. I'm really excited to be able to speak with him. He's the founder and CEO of AWeber, and uh, they really are the pioneer of email marketing and uh, and marketing automation. Um, and they uh, they're outside of Philadelphia, um, and he's been actively involved in the company's strategic direction and growth and evolution throughout its its 20-year history, um, and and uh, it, it just blows my mind sometimes to think that we've got an email marketing company that's been around for 20 years, but but really, uh, Tom and, and the folks at AWeber are the pioneers of this industry, so I'm excited to spend some time today with him talking about what you might be able to do in email marketing, how you might be able to apply some of the things, uh, the new and groundbreaking things that they're doing. And so uh, I'm really excited to have you here, Tom. Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO.
1: Hey, thanks for having me, Steve. Excited to be here.
0: Absolutely. So just give everybody a little bit of background and context so um, they kind of know where you're coming from and what got you to this stage in business. (laughs) Ah,
1: oh, going all the way back 20 years. I hate talking about 20 years ago. It makes me feel really old. I'm not <laughs> that old, but I started really young. So I was going to college for a mechanical engineering degree at uh, Penn State, and uh, I didn't. I decided that uh, mechanical engineering was not, not the way that I wanted to go. So I ended up switching to finance, and ultimately started a software company. So you know, it's it's, it's that like jagged <laughs> path. That, is like you wouldn't actually predict. Um, but uh, so back when I was going to school, I was selling wireless modems on the side. And through that process, I had automated an email follow-up uh, series to people that had inquired about that product. Uh, and that worked really well. And I had shared it with a few other sales reps that were working throughout the country um, with the, with the basically the payment from them being knowledge about what was working for them and what wasn't working for them. And, uh, ultimately I ended up leaving that company to focus on school because you know, that's important. And, uh, those people over a period of a couple of months started coming to me and say, Hey, can I buy that software that you wrote? Like it worked really well. And I was like, well, it doesn't exist. And, uh, I I had switched to busing tables in an olive garden and, (laughs) uh, Something about starting a software company seemed a little more appealing than spaghetti sauce up to your elbows every night. Yeah. Uh, so I figured out how to do it over the course of the summer in '98 uh, and launched the company, and kind of the the rest is history. So we now serve, you know, close to 100,000 uh, customers around the world, businesses around the world. Uh, we send four and a half billion emails every month. Uh, so we've 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 been doing this a lot for a lot of people. That's so just mind-boggling. Uh, it, it is. <laughs> it definitely is
0: so clearly that, that wasn't a, uh, a straight line path to, you know, from where you started in 1998 to, to your current success. No. What, what were some of the, the obstacles and more importantly, what were some of the ways that, that you found just over the years to, to push through when things get difficult?
1: Oh, that's really open-ended. Uh, so the, you know, some of the different obstacles, you know, you got you got product market fit, making sure that you got the right product out there, you got the right features in your product, um, whether you have your right team members on board to, to be able to take it where you need to go. You know, I, I look at, you know, we're 120-ish people or so right now, team members here uh, in our office. And, you know, the people, you know, as you kind of step along the way, you know, the first like five or six people are not the same people that are going to get you to, you know, 25 or necessarily going to get you to 75 or, you know, beyond. So um, kind of constantly looking to, to up everyone's skills um, is is, you know, has been the most probably challenging aspect of the business. Product market fit, you know, from an overall standpoint has been been pretty good. Um, it's just continuing to grow the team. You know, there's, there's kind of inflections points as you, as you grow a company and where, you know, the thing that worked before stops working uh, at a certain size scale, whether it's the number of people that you have internally or the number of customers that you have and how you serve those customers, um, has to evolve. So it's not a, it's, it's definitely not a set it and forget it standpoint uh, when you're building the business. So there's all kinds of stuff. Um, You know, what's, uh, you know, you want to focus on the people, you want to focus on the tech, you want to focus on the, you know, the
0: processes, like where's, uh, where's, what's the most valuable? I I think the people is probably the most valuable. I think that's the struggle that everybody has. And, um, and I think it's the, the hardest one to overcome. Um, Uh, you said something I think important there that, that the five or six that you start with might not be the ones that, you know, take you. You know, three jumps down the line to, to wherever you need to get. H- have you found that it's, I mean, have you pulled p- some of those early people along and they've grown with the company, or did it just get to a point where you needed a completely different mindset and skill set? Uh,
1: it's a little bit of both column A and column B. Um, you know, my COO, Sean Cohen, he's been here for 15 years. Um, you know, started as uh, customer solutions and now he runs operations for us. Um so you know it's it's a you know each personality has has kind of a strong suit there but you know ultimately like i i look to hire, i look to surround myself with people that are smarter than me if i'm the smartest guy in the room it means i'm not doing it right um you know you need to have people that know more than you about you know the different aspects of of what it is that you're hiring and looking for expertise in um so you know that You know, the nice thing is like you can hire people that are smarter than you. And that's that's a really cool thing to be able to, you know, come to work every day and learn something new. Um, And I think that many people can be intimidated by that process, um, both in the hiring and in like sitting in a room where a whole bunch of people are smarter than you. Um, And like that definitely, you know, there's you know, there's a there's an ego element to trying to be the smartest person in the room. Um, but ultimately that becomes a disservice to to your customers and to your growth and ultimately to yourself. Um, so hire people that are smart, you know, hire people that know more than you uh, and that are gonna bring more to the table. Um, you know, professional networks are are also something that that I've believed a lot in. I've been in a, a number of different kind of professional groups where where I've learned um from people along the way um you know at this point i'm a part of a group called ypo it's young president's organization um and that's an international organization of basically ceo and presidents around the world Uh, that run companies in all kinds of different industries and ultimately like we all have the same problems uh so you know somebody that runs a franchise business with a hundred franchise you know fast food restaurants has the same sort of people issues that you know that i have um you know the same you know revenue issue or something you know whatever that issue happens to be like pretty much everybody has the same sort of issues and that's the thing that I think as you grow and as you get more out there that you just realize we all have the same exact problems just different business and slightly different product um, yeah. but the professional networks more than anything can help you understand like you know you don't know what you don't know mm-hmm. so you have you know you have to remember like at any given time you're walking around with this giant thing over here that is your blind spot <laughs> you see everything over here but all the stuff over here that you don't see, and having people around you that have been there, done that before and seen that before is, is really valuable. You know, I've 20 years running a Weber now. I've never worked at a company of this size before. Mm-hmm. You know, some people have, I haven't. Um, so, th- you know, that's, that's something that can both be beneficial. You know, I don't bring any preconceptions of like how a company should run. Uh, and there's many things that we do differently here than other companies do, um, but it can also be a you know, a, a a limitation in the sense that like, I, do, I don't know what I don't know. And I don't know that that thing that we just decided to do is going to like blow up spectacularly yeah. unless some somebody comes along and says, hey, we've already tried this over here. And that was a really bad idea. You should try it this other way. <laughs> so,
0: well, you you know, said, so there's a lot of... I was going to say, you said, uh, you said something earlier about, you know, making sure that you're never the smartest guy in the room. And I, I think... There are a lot of business owners that get that conceptually and they understand it. But to put that into practice actually takes a a good deal of confidence, I think, on your part. I mean, and on the part of of any business owner, any CEO that's going to do that, because you've got to sort of have confidence that, hey, I can still be the leader and I've got all these super talented people around me. Um, Yeah. and, And I think for a lot of us, our egos want to put us in that position as the CEO of being in control. Rather than just being in charge and letting other people yeah. be in control, how how has that been for you? And, and what have you done to kind of keep your your maybe your ego out of the way?
1: Yeah, you know, it, it's it's challenging. You know, being frankly, speaking frankly, like you know, I, I think it's there's there's the there's the mindset of like being a leader and and having control are like you know are are like interconnected. And, you know, for me, the times when the team is operating the best and when, when I feel like we're all like, you know, humming at, at high performance um, is when I frankly have very little control per se. It's more about setting the, you know, setting the roadmap of like where we want to go and let the smart people figure out how we get there, um, you know, figure out the strategic direction and and kind of set the set the guidelines and, and how you think about and how you solve problems and how when you run into something, you kind of have, you know, the ethics and the morality of the company, you know, in line, you know, and everybody is thinking along the same page. Um, but ultimately like, you know, the less, less like control that I have, you know, frankly the better. It's really easy to say. It's a whole other thing to put into practice. Um, but kind of being constantly thinking about that, uh, I think is, is really important. So it's, it's good to not have control in, in, I think the way that many people think that you should have control. Um, it's, it's more about providing the kind of guide rails, you know, you know, think of it as a railroad track. It's like, Mm -hmm. you know, we're all moving along this way, how you power it to get there. I don't really care. Um, so, and I think that that's, that's important to being able to move it along and continue to grow over time. Because ultimately like if I'm in control of everything, I become a bottleneck for everything and nothing gets done. Um, you know, and, and and that's always going to be a problem. No matter how, how much you delegate to other people, that's always going to be a problem. You're, you're always going to be a a bottleneck of some sort. So, and it's, how do you, how do you minimize that overall?
0: Yeah, I think that, I think that whole idea of, of keeping control is really, it's, it's what keeps small businesses small often and it's also what turns them into prisons you know yeah all, everybody goes into business because you want the freedom of it like i don't have a boss i can kind of make set my own schedule and then you begin to you know put some business together and get some customers and and you've got to stay in control of of getting the product out and making the customers happy and all that stuff and the longer you yeah. stay in control the less freedom i think you you ultimately end up with because you don't build that that muscle of I've got to get other people involved. I've got, like you say, get the other smart people in the room so that they can be in control and, and focus on the direction and all that other stuff. And um, it sounds like you've really mastered that. If you've gone from 1998 when it was you and you've, you've now grown to, I mean, you guys are, I'm shocked that you only have 120 people, frankly, for the number of people that you serve um, and the number of emails that are sent out. um, But Uh, Had to be a just a a crazy ride going through all of that. Um, Did somebody kind of come along early on and just kind of tell, like, grab you and say, "Look, this is how to build this," or has it just been trial and error all the way through? It's
1: you know, I'd like to think of it as a little more refined than trial and error, but yeah, I I call it split testing. There you go. Um, you know, there's definitely been error along the way. Uh, you know, and there's definitely optimizations. Uh, you know, I think that uh, there is, you know, there's an element of like, yeah, there very much is a trial and error, and it's kind of the, uh, you know, persistence of like, I'm just going to keep trying stuff until something works. You you know, you don't know what you don't know, and you don't know what's going to work. So it's like, let's try this one. Oh, that didn't work. Well, let's try this one. That that didn't work. Let's try this one. Bingo! Uh, and you keep doing that. So. You know, and there, but there's lots of smart people have helped me along the way, have given me guidance on things. So it's you know, I I can't I can't directly attribute you know our success to anything that I specifically have done. You know, it's lots of people and lots of blood, sweat, and tears from a lot of different people, both internally, you know, team members here, but also lots of advisors and friends and colleagues and so forth that have that have done interesting things and helpful things over the years. So um, you know, it's it's like every Every great business, you know, every successful business is, you know, an overnight success in everybody else's eyes. But it's like, yeah, I know it's been 20 years of like (laughs) blood, sweat and tears to get where we are. Uh, And I also like I also am abundantly aware of all of our, you know, all of our drawbacks that we continue to have and problems that we continue to try to solve and move forward. Um, and I think that the the reason you continue to grow is because you continue to identify the problems and aren't happy with like the status quo of where you already are.
0: Yeah, and I think uh, and you guys are doing that. And uh, I want to just give everybody a little preview for what we're going to talk about in the second half of our conversation. I know you guys have been making a lot of changes to AWeber. A lot of uh, new features have been rolling out over the last uh, year or two, and um, and I want to, when we come back, talk about some of the, the ways that businesses can incorporate that, the, these new features and these new ideas in their marketing and, and particularly in email marketing. And uh, so before we, we break, what in your mind is kind of the, the biggest thing for somebody to focus on with their email marketing right now? What's the, the one key thing you're seeing your clients? And then we're going to unpack that when we come back.
1: The one key thing. Wow, that's so hard. Uh, You know, you hear the term marketing automation a lot these days. And I think most people don't really understand what that means. And I think more than anything, it's how do you set up kind of systems that move people through a process in in an automated way, without having to do a whole lot of manual steps, it's kind of like the you know set it and forget it. You know the Ronco Fuji dehydrator, it set it and forget it, and you know out at the other end pops new customers. Uh, I think that's the biggest thing that that is out there right now. And it's how how does a business put that into practice is, is probably the, the biggest unknown for most people.
0: Perfect. Well, we're going to come back in just a second. We're going to talk with Tom a little bit more. And we're going to dive into a little more specifics on how you can use marketing automation in, in what you're already doing. We'll be right back with more from Tom Kulzer of AWeber. you can find instructions there and links that will take you right to where you need to go to review the podcast. Thanks so much. Now back to the interview. All right, we're back with Tom, uh, and uh, Tom, we we're just talking about uh, this idea of marketing automation. and um, and you 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 know you you said it's the set it and forget it uh, kind of uh, way to to sell. Um, but I think that's the dream everybody wants to buy. But sometimes I think it's a little more complicated than that. And so let's talk a little bit about how you guys are approaching uh, marketing automation and, and, and for a business owner, how they might be thinking about, you know, yeah. being to plug that in.
1: Yeah. So a lot of people talk about that, the kind of the term marketing automation, um, and it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. But ultimately, in the email space, it's, you know, how do you take somebody that does something with your email? And do something else as a result. Um, So it's looking at, you know, if you get a particular campaign, if you open it, you go down one path. If you don't open it, you go down a different path. If you do click on the link to your order page, you know, you go down one path of emails. If you don't click the link, you go to a different path. Or if you click like, so I I use the example oftentimes of like uh, an animal shelter. Um, And if you always click the dog pictures, um, then I'm going to tag you, uh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to look at your, your activity there and say, Oh, you click the dog links. So I'm going to tag you with dog. So then I can segment future emails to you and only send you pictures of dogs versus if you click all the cat links, I can add a tag based on you clicking those links that says cat. And then I can create a segment of people that like cats. Now, some people might be in both categories but many people are probably gonna be in one category or the other. And it's a way of, of segmenting the, the people that are on your list in a way that when you send emails to them in the future, they become more relevant. It, at the end of the day, email is all about relevance. It's relevant to the time of day and, and day of the week and day of the month that you happen to be opening that email, um, but it's also relevance to the actual content that you're sending is like, how is it useful to me? What am I gonna do with this? What's the action that somebody wants me to take with that? Um, so anything you can do to learn from the way that people are engaging with your emails and send them more relevant emails is good. You know, it increases your open rates, it increases your click rates, et cetera. And those are the things that ISPs look at Mm -hmm. to make the determination of whether or not your email goes to the inbox or goes to spam folder or whether it doesn't show up entirely. So the more engaged your audience is, the more likely they are to continue to see your emails uh, and to continue to engage with those emails over time.
0: Well, you know, I we've worked with a lot of businesses over the years to, to help them kind of grapple with these ideas. And I'd love to hear your take on this. You know, as, as somebody is approaching marketing automation for the first time, they they either, I find that they kind of fall into one, one of two extremes. They either don't know where to start at all, or yeah. they want to segment everything down to the tiniest like little crazy. detail. Yeah. And yeah. so as you guys have designed that feature you know, into the product and then begun helping you know, clients, uh, customers implement it, what have you found to be the best approach there?
1: Start. <laughs> you know, the analysis paralysis thing, we see that all the time. You know, everyone says like, oh, you know, I need to do marketing automation. Most people don't use marketing automation. Most people just need to start doing something. Start gathering people together that are, are of like you know, interests and send them something. Mm -hmm. And from that, you're going to get feedback as to what they want more of and what they want less of. Um, And then you can start to kind of, you know, segment that off and, you know, it's I can say, oh, I have a lot of people that are into dogs and a lot of people are into cats. And, oh, I've got this like weird cohort of people over here that are like into iguanas. Not that you're weird if you like iguanas, but just like you'll find things that you don't expect. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that there's there's a, there's a, you know, many of us are kind of planners and we want to have it perfect before we implement it. You know, uh, the, there's a saying, and I, I totally blanking on who says it, but like, uh, perfection is like the enemy of done. Um, and, and it's like, if you just start with something, it's not going to be right. And I don't care how long you plan it. It's still going to be wrong. Um, you know, start with something and kind of build from there. You know, it's just like a company. You don't start by hiring a hundred people, you start with one, and then you kind of go from there. Um, so you start with one customer, and then you hope to get a second customer, and you hope to get 10 customers and 100 customers, et cetera. But just start somewhere and kind of move from there. Um, you know, from that segmentation and what to do afterwards, it's you know, it's so individual on, the, on what the individual businesses are and what it is that you're doing. I think a lot of times businesses forget who they need to actually be marketing to? They think of it as I need to get more customers, so I need more prospects, um, so I need to get more visitors to my site, and they get like all hung up with with this. Is like email marketing is a great way to keep in touch with your existing customers, mm-hmm. so that they keep coming back to you, so that they consume whatever it is that you're selling. Whether you're a consultant, you know, teaching somebody how to be a better CEO. Like I'm sure you have a list of like. All the best things that great CEOs do. You can trip that to people over a period of time so that they can consume that and they're gonna, they're gonna go down different paths and you're gonna see patterns around what it is that they're engaging with and what it is that they're not engaging with. And then you can, then you can make your marketing automation you can set up other sequences of messages that if I click on, you know, people oriented things, I'm going to send people, you know, more things around HR and building teams and leadership and those sort of things. But if I send, you know, if they look at, are more interested in product stuff, I can send them down a product path. Um, you know, but start and then kind of go from there. But it's like, you know, it's, it's potential customers, it's actual customers it's ex-customers, how do you get them back again? How do you maintain your relevance in their mind? They may not be a customer with you today, but they might be again in the future. Uh, so there's lots of different ways that you do it. Even vendors that you work with. Hey, this is the way, this is how we work with particular vendors. Like we do this with our affiliates and our affiliate partners. We have a training course that teaches them how to like onboard with us and how to best use our tools and how to be most efficient working with us. And it's great, Just it's just things that you can automate, do once, and then have that learning and education go forever.
0: Yeah, and it it can be really powerful and and certainly really overwhelming. And what we found, I mean, we've been working with these tools for, I don't know, 10, 12 years now. And the best advice I got back at the beginning was, you know, somebody who had been working in one of the tools for a little while at the time said, just, you know, Take one lunch hour a week and get out of the office, go have lunch, you know, by yourself or you and one other person and like write two emails and figure mm-hmm. out where they go and and just yeah. allow it to be built out like that rather than try and sit down for a week straight and do the whole thing start to finish yeah, only no. to realize it's all the wrong messaging. It's the segmentation yep. is off and all of that because... And, and to your point, as as you send these emails out, people interact with them. They're going to tell you what you need to build next.
1: Absolutely, and your emails can actually ask them. Hey, what else would you like to know from me? What yeah. questions do you have? <laughs> like, it's not rocket science. And I think the other thing that's really important is remember that when you're writing, like I, you know, I could I could write to, um, you know, all my CEOs, or I could write to Steve. Mm-hmm. Like it's so much more approachable when you think about it as like one person on the other end of, the, you know, and that's ultimately what it is. You might send a thousand emails or we might send four and a half billion emails every month, but it's one person at the other end of that email that's got their phone or their laptop or their computer or whatever it happens to be that's reading that message. And, and I think that it's, it's often, um, it's easy for people to kind of abstract the people away as numbers mm-hmm. and that's really the that's the wrong approach it's why like you know you'll see you'll hear a lot of people use a term like I want to send out an email blast And it's like you really want to blast all your customers like that's <laughs> like has all kinds of like bad connotations there like I want to communicate with them I want to engage with them I want to connect with them uh, and how do I do that more effectively it's like I write to one person I don't I'm not writing to a thousand I'm writing to one person um, and when you put that in your In kind of your head and you ingrain that in your head, the emails that you write come across more genuine uh, and they connect with people a little better. Um, They don't look like big glossy brochures and that looks like something you might actually write to another human being and get engagement with.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, for about four years, I wrote a daily email to our list and they, you know, they opted in for that. And Uh I had a picture of our, my favorite client, our best client, what's sort of the prototypical um, yep. client that we were trying to attract and I'd have that up and that's who I would write to. I mean, literally yeah. I'd have to delete his name from the top <laughs> of the copy. Yeah. yeah. Because nice. And yeah. I think that's, I think so many people miss that. And, and I see this whole problem of like, you know, people get stuck with writer's block. Like, what do I write? And it's gotta be all this formal stuff. But if you sit down to make it like you're just typing in Gmail or whatever to, you know, I'm going to write Tom an email and, and Absolutely. it's, you know, about whatever I need to, you know, communicate one-on-one in an email and then just send that out to it all flows. the people it would be relevant for. Yeah, it flows and it sounds, you sound like a human being, you yeah. know, instead of a robot. Yeah. So, yeah, I think. And ultimately
1: a- what you did is actually a really smart customer thing. You know, they they call that a uh, uh, customer persona. You know, you have a persona of your customer. Yeah. We actually have three customer, like three actual defined, there's posters on the walls here in our office. Um, Of our customer personas and their names are mark molly and alex and they're three different types of customers that our tool serves Mm -hmm. Along kind of their educational path along their business growth path And, and we talk about them internally You'll hear you'll hear our team both our CS team our product team our engineering team our marketing team all refer to mark molly and alex when we write user stories around like new features and functions that we're implementing like it actually says, like Mark can do you know X and Alex can do X because they might inter- they might interact with those features differently. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's kind of it's like that next step on how you think about your customer. Um, but that's actually a really sophisticated kind of you know customer profiling thing that, that bigger companies uh, can do. But it's it's a subtle tweak to, to make your emails more effective.
0: Well, and and I, but I, I think that's a really um... It's a it's a great strategy, and for even a smaller business owner who's listening to this, literally print out the picture of your three best customers if they're different. You know, if they have absolutely, you know, uh, different qualities. Maybe you work with people in different industries, and when you start thinking about segmentation, and I know a- Aweber really facilitates this, where now you can slightly change, you know, the email that you send out. You don't have to; it doesn't have to be a wholesale, you know, different email, but you can slightly change no. the message. Just yeah. so that it's using you know the language of that you know one particular industry versus another that you deal with, so you can start this in a really basic way, but it'll put you in my experience, it puts you light years ahead of most businesses. So, absolutely, I, I want to talk a little bit about the thing that really um, that that made you guys really the the market maker for marketing automation back in 1998. And that's this idea of these automated series of emails because before that, that really didn't exist. It was, as you said, we were blasting our customers with emails. And I, I still believe that the vast majority of businesses are doing that. They're sending out that periodic blast once a week or once a month or, you know, whenever they happen to get it out there. And it's funny to watch this little switch get flipped when they go, oh, wait, I can put like the first five emails together that somebody should receive, you know, and put them in this series. Yeah. Um, what was it that, that like made that kind of uh, be the obvious solution for you in 1998?
1: I had read uh, I spent a lot of time at the library because this was back in the day when you actually need to go to the library to learn things. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, it was a quiet place to study while I was in school as well. And I read a, a direct marketing association stat that said that it took seven, um, seven viewings of a particular ad message or you know some sort of a message for it to like really stick in people's minds um so when we launched when i launched Aweber initially um our first kind of like billing package was was basically one list with seven follow up messages um and unlimited subscribers and that was just kind of our first pricing model and it was based around the the this concept of it took seven instances of a message um you know of a particular theme to, in order for it to really stick with people and it, and it worked really well and over and over the stats proved again that like you know seven messages you know, after the seventh message, you either had the conversion or it tended to trail off. You know, there's always a long tail, and people like, take longer to convert on things. But, um, but that was really kind of the thing that kind of stuck. You know, AWeber, autom- uh, A Webber. You know, the uh, oftentimes folks will ask me like, what, what, where the, where the heck did A Weber come from? And it was automated web assistant, and that's a little long to write out. Right. And, so we tried to shorten it and like a web ass is a totally different kind of business. <laughs> um, so it became a Weber <laughs> and, uh, you know, the rest, the rest is kind of history, but it's, yeah. it's the, you know, it's this concept of automation, uh, to do things online and to, to help interact with people. But ultimately it's not about automating the people out of, out of that process entirely. It's about automating the tedious things So that the people can spend the time most efficiently, like at, you know, answering the, the, you know, the rare question rather than the common question because a lot of people are afraid to ask questions. So like, if it just shows up, you know, if the thing that you're thinking at that point in time is the like three questions that you happen to get in your email that day, it's like, perfect. And that might spur another question that they reply back to you with, but that's exactly the kind of engagement that you want to have with your subscribers. Um, you know, so ultimately, like our mission here is connecting people in remarkable ways. That's that's kind of our tagline that that we go with uh, here, um, and we do that by you know providing tools to to make those engagements you know more and more relevant for our audience around the world.
0: Yeah, and I, I think uh, you know the the innovation that you brought to to the market is a, is it's an important one, and I know you guys are building on it. You've got much more advanced automation that that the system is capable of now. Um, and you want to talk just a little bit about some of the things that, that, uh, have changed recently and that, that you are, you know, you're rolling out, um, uh, coming up.
1: Yeah, we have a whole bunch of different automations around, like when you send a newsletter or somebody clicks on a link, you can add tags, you can remove tags. Um, we're doing a lot of stuff with tagging and kind of segmentation. So, you know, if somebody has uh, cat dog and and uh, you know iguana tag they get one newsletter or they get one sequence of campaigns you know you can start and stop uh, that kind of sequence of campaigns based on whether or not somebody adds a tag or whether or not somebody clicks on a link or doesn't click on a link it's basically all kinds of different kind of rules that you can create uh, that define whether or not somebody is is in, in a particular campaign or gets removed from a particular campaign so that you can slice and dice and and send out the exact message at the right time to to each of your users. So um, we're doing a whole bunch of stuff around there. We're integrating a bunch of things with uh, shopping carts and, and e-commerce. So, like, if you buy a particular product, you'll be able to get certain types of messages and so forth. There are some other things that we're working on that haven't been quite released but are coming soon. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think what else we've done. A whole bunch of cool stuff.
0: So. Very cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, where would you like people to go if they'd like to to – kind of see what A has and and uh, how it might fit with their business. What's the best place for them to go and find you guys?
1: Yeah, you can check us out on our website at aweber.com, a w e b e r.com, uh or give us a call. We have people here um, you know, every day and uh, you know, we're actual human beings and we like to pick up the phone and talk with our customers. Uh, And we find that that is that is a big selling point for for many of our customers to be able to get that direct line of support and an actual human being (laughs) on the other end of a phone. It's a novel idea, especially for an email
0: marketing company, right?
1: Absolutely, and many of our competitors are killing off phone support. Right. Uh, and and ultimately, you know, it's it's those it's that connect people in remarkable ways. It's you know, unfortunately, like being able to pick up the phone is somehow remarkable these days. I don't think it's all that remarkable <laughs> that we pick up the phone. I think we do a phenomenal job at it, and we help our customers really well. Um, you know, and, and it's something that, you know, we, we look to continue to offer many years in the future. Um, but it is something that many of our competitors are are going away from. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, it's about connecting people and doing that in a way that is, is better than anybody else can.
0: Well, Tom, thanks so much for investing some time with us today. Fascinating conversation. Congratulations to all the success that you've had. Um, 20 years is a tremendous amount of time to build a business. Most don't make it that far. So uh, it's a fantastic story. And I encourage everybody to go check out aweber.com and, and uh, look at, at uh, all the great tools that you can plug into your business and, and, uh, and take some of your marketing load off. Uh, thanks again, Tom.
1: Hey, thanks for having me, Steve.
0: <sighs> thanks for listening to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. Help others discover this show. Leave a review and rating on iTunes at unstoppableceo.net forward slash iTunes.